I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I am Steven and with me, of course, is SP. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Another week, another Better Podcasting Live Chat. Singular <laughs> chat, not chats. I've learned I was scolded enough last week. <laughs> so, yeah, this is cool because we just get to talk topics on our mind. We get to test stuff, which we are doing plenty of. I think the question that we got last week from Rob over on smoking and drinking in capes really set in motion some things that we wanted to try out anyway. So it's been pretty cool so far. And for those that can't see, because we do a video version of this show, which you can find at geeks.live when we're streaming live, but Steven has not one, not two, but three large diameter dynamic broadcast microphones right in front of him. That's absolutely true. Yeah, we, we got a little, talking a little bit last week about a couple different things. And it occurred to me, why don't I just hook up a few so that I can bounce through them throughout the night? It'll be kind of fun. So you won't know which one I'm on, but hey, you know what? Um, I want to test them out. So I figured might as well hook them all up together. However, there is, is a bit of an issue that I've discovered here all of a sudden. And I don't know if it's something to do with one of the microphones interfering or whatnot, but um, I am all of a sudden hearing this this sort of, high-pitched noise now is that the roadcaster pro is that the microphones is it all of them together is it the fact that sp just went and poured water all over my roadcaster pro somehow it could be any of these things i'm not sure but it might be there it might be gone by the time i clean this up afterwards i i, I honestly don't know i didn't think about electromagnetic interference because that's possible that the capsules could be interfering i guess with each other if one of them isn't shielded great i guess yeah i'm not sure but um, all right. Well, tell everybody what three microphones you have in front of you. Okay. Well, I've got the RE320, or should I the say Electro the, the Electro Voice RE320. I also have the Audio Technica BP40, as well as the Rode Procaster, which I can tell right now the gain is a little bit down. But uh, yeah, it's the Rode Procaster, the Audio Technica BP40, and the Electro Voice. RE320, and yeah, that was wow. all of them. You were cycling through them. I could tell <laughs> I the was. difference. I absolutely was, yes. So um, there's a little bit of difference in, in post-production and stuff. Uh, and I, I don't really know what I'm going to do with EQ because this is better podcasting live chat. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on EQ. I'm not going to go dig up old EQ or anything for the BP40. Maybe I will. We'll see. It's been a while since I used the BP40. But, you know, loyal listener Johnny Pennington, he, he's a big fan of the BP40 on my voice. And so to Johnny, I will just say, Johnny... Did you miss this? Did you miss this, Johnny Pennington? <laughs> I almost put my BP-40 on my microphone stand today, too. I did not. Since everybody eventually came around and said, I liked the Zoom ZDM-1 on your voice most last week, I decided to give it a full try. It's on the stand, so you're not going to hear any chords that are smashing up against it or whatever. This is going to be a full test of the Zoom ZDM-1 on the microphone stand for everybody to hear. That's what's going on 
with me this week. Hey, Steven, you were mentioning you might have an issue with your Roadcaster Pro OG or Roadcaster Pro 1, right? Yeah, I, I might be. We'll, we'll see, I guess. We'll find out. But, uh, you okay. know, it's it's functional, but there obviously that high-pitched noise is a bit of a concern. But if, you know, I'm well out of an RMA process, so that'd be something I'd have yeah. to deal with on my own. Do you have any problems with your Roadcaster Pro, the sequel? <laughs> the sequel, Roadcaster <laughs> Pro 2. Yes, I finally was fed up between the next few days. What I was doing is I was taking video as I was turning it on in the morning, and it was firing off. We might put a video together for the Get A Geek Gear channel at one point in time of this entire process, but it is what it is for now. So I compiled those videos and I sent off a support request to Rode. And this is the first time I've reached out to Rode specifically on this. I was trying to troubleshoot it. I was like, you know what? I just, I want it to work and I can make do with it. I don't want to make do without it for a week or two, but I could. So let's start this process. And I sent off an email. I sent or forwarded the copy to Steven. So he's got it. But they responded back to me. I think I sent it off on Saturday, right? So they responded back to me yesterday, which was Tuesday. And they said, hello, SP. Thanks for reaching out to us. Something I'd recommend would be to use the latest version of Road Central to perform a factory reset via USB. To form the factory reset through the central app, once the Roadcaster Pro 2 is connected, click Roadcaster Pro 2 in the left column, then click the cog system symbol, not system, at the top right, then click the factory reset symbol. If the process still persists, please send us the following information, the serial number, the proof of purchase, the address, and a phone number. We will issue an RA, return authorization, for you to ship your RCP2 and have it inspected for repair slash replacement. Kind regards, Adrian from Road. And I got to say, I think they were actually listening to me because I gave them the two previous Better Podcasting podcasts, the previous one to this, Better Podcasting Live Chat 41, and then the last Better Podcasting main show that we did. And we talked about it there. And one of the things that I said is, I don't want to be without this because... I'm in the studio, I'm in process. So I got to say, they were listening and they're trying something. I don't think it's going to work. I will try it. But they want me to try the factory reset. And I was going to have to take pictures of all the settings and everything anyway when I sent it in. So this will just get me ahead of the game there. I will try it this weekend. We will see if it works. If it doesn't, then I will send them the information on in. Now, since I've done this, it has not set off the sound pads at all on start. So we'll see. But I have to give kudos to Road here for listening to what we had to say and wanting to try the factory reset, which is something I haven't done. So, I mean, it's troubleshooting 101. I, I do not. I think I, I would be hard pressed to give them that much credit myself. I think that this is step number one on, on a basic checklist that they've asked you to do. I, I don't think they listen. So maybe I'm wrong. You know, wrote, if you're listening, prove me wrong, write us, tell us, tell you, tell us that you heard this and I will gladly eat crow okay. on the next episode. But personally, personally, I don't buy it. All right. Well, that's fair. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's going to work out for me because if it does work, then I get to keep in the studio. And if yeah. it doesn't, I have to send it off and I'll be without it for a couple of weeks. It's not a one-for-one -one thing, by the way, for those that are saying, well, SP, you got a lot of gear. You can just swap it out. 
First of all, this is the only mixer recorder that I have, the Rodecaster Pro 2. All our other mixer recorders are with Steven in his studio. So I've also taken all my gear out and the space that that gear used to occupy is now occupied by a monitor. So I would have to put it on the floor or something to redo the uh, system that I had before. And quite frankly, I'm really not going to do that. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to replace it with two pieces of gear. I'm going to have to replace it with the Zoom P4, the PodTrack P4, for actually recording, connecting my microphone to and streaming and whatever. But my speakers, my monitors, when I am actually editing and need to hear or just want to hear throughout the week or whatever, I have no way to connect them unless I use something like a mix or an audio interface. So I'm going to have to put an audio interface. The PodTrack P4 does not have a connection out that I can easily uh, power uh, monitor speakers. So I'm, I'm going to have to use a audio interface. I've got the Modu M2 just right over my left shoulder there. And I, I'm going to use that to power the monitors, the speakers. But I can't use it to record because it doesn't do a mix minus. So if you plug in to the headphones out and you use that to go into a recorder, you're getting the whole thing. You're getting what's coming in from the other end and you're getting the microphone. There's no way to mix minus it. So I can't record the way I usually record. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have to do a combination of things in order to limp through the next couple of weeks. It's not going to be a straight up easy thing. I'm going to have to cobble together a studio. But hey, you know, if it gets it fixed in the long run. Yeah. It's probably worth it. Can can I make a suggestion? Uh, I think that you should just, you know, use the uh, the Samsung Q2U by USB into Audacity and just, you know, uh, it'll be it'll be an experience for you because you'll be sweating profusely the entire time wondering, will my will my track crash? Will my computer crash? Will I lose all this because I have no hardware backup? I think it would be really good therapy for USB. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So I've already kind of experienced some of that in some of our show notes right now, but uh, Stephen knows a little bit about this. So I have been using StreamYard and they have beta local recordings. So you can record everybody's track separately. The quality is reportedly not the best as you could do off of like a hardware recorder locally, but it gets you a separate track. And in a lot of cases, a separate track means a lot more, especially we're talking a four-person podcast versus a combined track when you're trying to edit out everything and and just make sure bumps and, and coughs and stuff like that aren't in the rest of the show. Well, I've had issues now since they started the beta recording on two separate shows. One was a show that Michelle's computer crashed and we did get a track back when she came back. So she had a reboot. She came back. We got a track back. But we missed the first part of the track on there. I contacted StreamYard in their uh, tech support. And they said, well, you should have gotten both tracks. And they, and they asked for my ID number or whatever. So I think they were looking at a, a fail safe to make sure that if somebody drops off and comes back, that they would get both of those tracks there. But uh, I was without that track, which was no big deal because Michelle was recording on her Zoom H5 anyway. So it didn't matter. Nothing was lost. We, we got the whole thing. But I was trying out these local recordings on StreamYard. Well, just last week, Lauren, another co-host of mine, 
she had problems with her computer where it stopped recording about 40 minutes in on her Audacity track. So she didn't have a hardware backup recording going. All she had was her Audacity. She does have a Zoom H5. It just either wasn't connected. She just moved. So it either wasn't connected or she's not using it in her system right now. I was using the local recordings. They extended another about 10 minutes or so. So I got about 50 minutes of the StreamYard local recording there. But then even that crashed, like her computer was no longer uploading. And then so the last, I don't know, six or eight minutes or so, I had to go with my recording of everybody on my end that I was making on my Rodecaster Pro 2. So I had to cut out where she was talking and where everybody else was talking, you know, silence them or whatever. So I had to do a little work about eight minutes in, but I was able, this is kind of a, a call out for backups, right? So I did use all these backups and that worked, but I would prefer not to, Stephen. I would prefer to have a local recording that is done uh, by hardware recorder for everyone. And even those fail too, because like the cards could fill up uh, the, we've had instances where they've frozen and stuff like that. So it's not infallible, but we've had more success with the hardware recorders than anything else. Okay, so I've got a better idea then. Why don't you okay. why don't you instead of using a hardware recorder, you just do the USB and when it fails, we'll just put a call out to the listeners to find out who wants to do their best SP ADR. What do you think of that? I think it would sound great. That would actually be funny and I would be all for it. <laughs> All right, so someone go ahead and do that. Take a clip of this. Do your ADR. You can do both both of us if you want. I, I highly encourage you to, you know, de-thicken my Canadian accent. I would encourage you to bring it down a notch. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I mean, you take the Canadian accent away and there's nothing left. It's true. That That is my personality. <laughs> Okay, let's let's dive here into a topic that we had come up in our Discord last week because this is a fun topic I think to 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 ramble a little bit about. And in our Discord, we had Randy Walker actually comment asking for a master better podcast feed, a, a big feed, a combination feed, if you'd like to call it, whichever of the ones you would terms you would like to use for it. The idea. Well, let's let's define it. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the idea being that you would have. Better podcasting, better podcasting chats with SP and better podcasting live chat all combined into one singular RSS feed that someone could subscribe to. That way they don't need to subscribe to all three shows. And so the discussion came up in there and, you know, it's something that uh, a few different opinions in there. I'll, I'll just throw mine out on the table right now, which is that I'm not a big fan of the master feed idea. And the, and the reason why that I, I, I struggle with the whole master feed or big feed is because I, I I struggle to define why you're making it if you have made the decision to have separate feeds and all of the subsequent decisions that come with it. Particularly, let's say that we created a big combination feed for better podcasting. I don't understand which feed I'm trying to promote. Am I trying to promote the individual feeds or am I trying to promote the main feed? Well, if it's the individual feeds, then the main feed might take away from, from those individual feeds because it's very unlikely someone would listen to the main feed or the, the master feed, I should say, and then go to the individual feeds and subscribe there. So you're kind of taking away from those. Or on the flip side, 
if I'd rather promote the master combination feed, then why haven't I just created one RSS feed for all of them if that's how I want to present it? So for, for me personally, I struggle to see its place in, you know, there is an exception to this. If, if someone, say, wanted to create like a Patreon as, as like bonus content, it could be an easy way to create an offering for a Patreon. But other than that, I, I'm not really sure because if someone wants to hear all of our shows, then you would think they would subscribe to all of them. And if they're not willing to subscribe to all of them, then how interested are they in that other content? And therefore, would they really subscribe to that big combination feed? There's just so many things that clash as I work through it because this this whole idea of a combination feed has come up before for other, other projects. And, and personally, I struggle to see why. The only thing I could think of that would work for me personally, and, and I'm not for it either, by the way, but... The only thing I could think of for me personally is it would reduce the total amount of feeds that I would see in my podcatcher app. Now, I use Overcast on iOS on my phone to listen to everything nowadays, or I use at work, I use Google Podcasts. In either case, it would limit the total number of RSS feeds that I'm subscribed within that podcatcher down, in this case, from three to one, right? I don't like it. I, I like knowing what sort of show is coming to me. And the only combination RSS feeds that I tolerate or use even are the ones that I'm subscribed to others' Patreon. So the only reason I would see us doing it is if we created Patreon and we had different offerings out there and it could vary from show to show out there. We're not saying this is going to work for everybody, but for us, that would be the only way to do it. And we have not decided to put a Patreon out there, by the way. Uh, but if you are interested in getting the feed or something else in a Patreon feed for, from us, let us know and we'll at least consider it. We're not going to say no, but it's just not something the combined feed is not something that I want to throw out there to everybody. I mean, we've seen enough of confusion in Google podcasts with different feeds out there already. So why throw another one in there? Yeah. And, and I'm also, I want to bring this up in the context of us giving our, our points there and, and sort of our thoughts on it, but it's not sitting here trying to, you know, drag Randy Walker through the mud or anything, because I'd love to, I'm opening this up to the audience uh, to people either listening and watching live or listening afterwards. I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Maybe you have a, another perspective on this that we're, that we're not considering. I would really, really enjoy hearing about that. Or if you've successfully used a combined feed before, how have you done it? And how specifically I would like to know, how do you address those things that I brought up? Because it just seems like a lot of confusion to me from marketing and developing and things like that. So I, I don't really get how you handle those, the answers to those questions. So I would love to know, get in touch with us through any of the ways you can come to our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. You can tweet us at betterpod. You can find all our confirmation, confirmation contact, confirmation information over at betterpodcasting.com slash contact, or you can just go and yell to SP wherever you're stalking him. Yeah, and if you're stalking me, if you yell, I should be able to hear you because you'd be close enough. But watch <laughs> out, because I might be armed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, SP, we talked about the mics. And in the process of microphones, that means that I had to use 
uh, a couple extra mic arms. And and for those of you who are not watching the video side of things, I am using the Elgato Wave Arm LP. I'm also using two Heil PL2Ts. And, and this whole idea of using the Heil PL2Ts has brought up something that we were actually discussing before I decided to do three mics, is that they're squeaky. They're, they're, they've had some age, they've sat for a while, they're kind of loud, and here's the thing. Although the Elgato Wavearm LP was working very well for me, and still was, in the current condition, and the current re recent rearrangement in my, my studio space, it's almost seeming like it's actually going to be better for me now to go back to a scissor arm, because the configuration that I've got now, it almost looks like it makes sense for me to use a scissor arm as opposed to the uh, low-profile Elgato wave arm, which worked really well for the old configuration. And the big difference here is that I, I no longer have a bunch of gear surrounding me, which kind of got in the way of using the scissor arm, which is currently located off my right side right now. I have a bit of a bench in here where I have my 3D printer, and that's where I've got the scissor arms all attached to. And before it wasn't possible with the equipment that I had in here, but now it is. And so I'm kind of thinking like, do I keep using the noisy ones? Is it time to maybe get myself a new new arm? And so I started to look what was out there. And really I'm looking at a, a few key options. The first is I'm looking at Elgato's option, which is the Elgato wave arm, not the LP, the Elgato wave arm. I'm also looking at the Rode PSA one plus uh, possibly the Logitech Blue Compass arm, as well as possibly just another Heil PL2T. Now, here's the, the idea about all of them. The summary of them all is that they all have different reaches and they all actually list their specs a little bit different. So it's hard to do an A to A comparison or A to B comparison, whatever you want to call it. But just to run down some of these thoughts on here, um, the Elgato Wave Arm is about $134 Canadian. The Rode PSA One Plus is $169. The Logitech Blue Compass is $139 Canadian. And then the Heil PL2T will be $130 to $135-ish plus shipping because that's not readily available either locally or on something like Amazon. I'd have to order it from some music retailer. As far as reaches go, it does appear that from the measurements that I was able to dig up, the Heil PL2T might have the largest lengths on the arm, but I can't say that for sure because the only um, information that I found on that with the measurement, I've, I've measured it myself, does include the hinge, the amount that's added by the hinges. Meanwhile, some of these other specs aren't clear whether they're including the hinges or not, which could, and I mean like the hinge points, which could add a couple of inches in each measurement. So I'm not sure which ones of these I want to look at. The thing that I want to say about the the uh, Rode PSA One Plus is that it's hard for me to, to want to go with that one because my first ever desire that I had was the Rode PSA One, which I tried to get two of from two different retailers and both of them squeaked like crazy. And after that, we had a bunch of people end up saying that they had the same experience. So there's that. Now the PSA one plus is a different, different arm. It's actually measurements and its weight capacity are greater on the PSA one plus than the specs listed for the PSA one. So it is a different arm. The other thing is 
Road decided that they were going to put big road branding on it, which kind of sucks. So it's it's like it's quite very apparent their logo and like not even a little bit apparent like the Heil was like it's it's really apparent and it's on the sort of fabric that's covering the whole scissor arm and the thing with that is that um you can't take it off it's not velcro or anything it's actually sewn on so a lot of people complain about that i'm a little concerned about that i might have a couple solutions where i could take care of that but i'm not not so sure about that and then um, the Elgato, it does look like it might be quite a bit shorter than the Heil PL2T. So I'm not sure. Like as far as I saw here with, with specs wise, the Elgato wave arm, it says vertical reach is 29.5 and the horizontal reach is 30.7 inches. And then when you look at sort of the um, the maximum extension length of the Heil PL2T, because they don't give the horizontal or the vertical, they say 40. So I think that tells me because that number is greater, the Heil actually da- does have a bigger reach. So I'm I'm not so sure about that. I, I'm really not sure which way I want to go or just keep using these squeaky ones and just hope I don't move it or anything. I could just go that way. But I'd love to know if anybody has any feedback on any of these. And if you want to know more information, I did compile a whole bunch. I'm not going to ramble through it right now. But um, I did do a little bit of research for my own knowledge as far as reaches go and max weight capacities. One of the reasons why I kind of don't want to go with the Heil is because I'd, I'd have to order it from uh, just random music company. And if something's wrong, that could be a pain. So I'm kind of tempted to do one of the other three. And I think I've ruled out the blue because there's a couple mixed reviews since I put together this information. I lo- did a little bit more research and I think the blue might be or Logitech, whichever you want to call it, might be a bit of a risky decision. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, just for me personally, the reach is absolutely paramount. I need the longest reach possible. I'm using a high LPL2T right now, and it's got an extension arm from another microphone that was a desk stand on it right now, and it needs all of it to get to me. So reach is very important to me personally in my studio setup. So I would have to go with another high LPL2T because I don't see anything else that has the same reach. In our chat, we had Liberty Dude speak up and he mentioned a microphone arm that I had no knowledge of, but I looked it up on Amazon. It's called a Gator Frameworks Deluxe desk mounted broadcast microphone boom stand. And it looks pretty decent. I don't know what the availability in Canada is. It's going for $160 here in the United States. There's different series. So like a 400 or 4,000 series would be, I guess it's got the microphone cable integrator or something. I don't, I don't know the differences between the two and I don't want to speak out of turn, but this looks like it might be a competitor. The problem is I don't see a desk mounted uh, receptacle for it or a riser. Now I'm using a riser with this boom arm in order to get everything over. So I need the riser as well as the reach. Yeah. And I, I don't see that with this. So for me, it wouldn't work, but Steven, for you, this might be a competitor. Yeah. I'm just looking at it now. I'd have to have a, a better look. It looks to me like maybe it's uh pivot points that you tighten, which I'm not wild about. I'd prefer the spring spring loaded ones where you can just mm-hmm. move it and not have to tighten anything. So uh, I'll have a look into that. But initially at this picture here, I do see it looks like at the joints, they, they are tightening fitting. So 
I'm not sure. Um, the other thing you bring up the the riser thing. That's a really good point because the the uh, Elgato they've actually included one in there. They included a riser in it, which is nice. And and I have to say, from a perspective of a desk mount, the Elgato Wave Arm LP is is without question the best desk mount that I've had for for anything like this. It's it's solid. It's wide too, which means that you know if you've got any interference underneath like an uh you know an irregular shaped desk or something it really does grip on and i don't feel like i'm gonna break it when i tighten it as opposed to like even the heil ones which i do i feel like if i'm really gonna tighten that good that that i feel like the, the metal's gonna start bending so so i gotta give them cr- that's one of the reasons why my mind went there originally because i i do think the belt the build quality on the elgato wave arm lp there's a couple design questions that i think they could revise um but the build quality itself seems pretty, pretty decent. So I, I am curious about that. And the fact that they include the riser is really interesting to me. Um, the other thing that they include too is is a weight. So some of these bigger mic arms that are spring loaded, you can't use a light microphone because they will just go and just, just pull the microphone up. And they do include a weight if that's something that you want to do is use a really light microphone. I wouldn't do it because the microphones I'd be using will be heavy enough. But I thought that those two things were kind of interesting about that. Um, I, I am partially, though, tempted for the PSA One Plus just because they do seem like they put a lot of thought into the redesign of the PSA One. Um, I, I don't know, though. It, it Honestly, it's... The, the road logo, I would have to do something about it. And Liberty Dude in the chat did mention that um, Tom Buck did take off the road branding. Yeah, I did see a few videos about this with mixed mixed success. I can recognize myself that I probably don't have the patience or the, I'll say skill, which is mostly, pa- mostly patience, uh, to do it without it probably turning out poorly. I would probably find a different option. And, and I'll be honest, I probably would just get a hunk of black fabric and and find a way to cover it on the one side that it doesn't look bad. That's probably going to be the easiest solution. So I'm looking at the Elgato reach spec right now that's on Amazon. And I don't know if this compares one-to-one because I don't know exactly what they're actually measuring. Are they measuring the full reach or are they just measuring like the extension reach that you would normally get or whatever, but they're saying it's 30 inches. And then with the high LPL 2T, they're saying it's 40 inches. So that's a 10 inch in, in inch difference which would put my microphone almost a foot over to the side again for me personally i have a very unique setup yeah. it's been shown uh, a lot of times and it's due to the desk if i had a normal desk this would be completely different but i don't i have a desk that was made in the 1950s by some amish people it's very good it's like a six thousand dollar desk so I'm, I'm not getting rid of it and i'm not uh, marring it with holes or anything like that. So I have to do an alternative way of doing things. Heck, if both of us, if we could have ceiling mounted our boom arms, then <laughs> we probably would have done that. But back when we were doing this, we didn't have that technology available. So anyway, uh, different people have different requirements, which was makes the boom arms even uh, a more topic of conversation and discussion because what works for you might not work for somebody else. Just like like the Electro Voice RE320 works great for me. And it's not so optimal for you and your voice. So your mileage may vary depending on your studio setup and your voice, apparently. 
Yeah, and uh, as far as the 30 goes, that that would make sense because the measurement that I saw did say 15 and a half on each portion of it, so that that would make sense. Um and that doesn't include the uh 6-inch riser on the Elgato. Um uh, one last thing before we go off this, I, I do have to say, like, you know, obviously the Hiles held up. It's been fine. They do an okay job with the cable management. The plastic is on, on both of the ones that I've, I've got here. It doesn't snap very well anymore. And um, I can only speak to the one that I've had the longest, which is that I haven't replaced the cable that much. From the rest of the perspective, honestly, like in that price point, I don't think the build quality is as good as some of the other ones. Like, um, the the mount the piece where you tighten like the microphone fitting i've seen better honestly i think it's more online where like you know the swivel part I, I i just doesn't tighten that great compared to say the elgato wave arm lp that i've had um i do remember that being a really strong suit on the road uh psa one even when i had it so you know th there's a couple things with it that i think that um Obviously, it's reach and it's readily availability. And also the cable management, I think, really did blow up its name. And probably rightfully so, because especially at the time, between the PSA 1 from a you know a cable management perspective and the Heil PL2T, it was a no-brainer. The PL2T was way better. It, PSA 1 used a piece of Velcro. <laughs> and I'll, I'll actually go as far as to say the, the Heil PL2T is actually a better cable. Actually, most of these, I think, if not all of them, are better cable management than even the PSA one plus the PSA one plus. I can't believe that their only their method for cable management was to throw clips on the top that it, it for, for a premium product that they made. I think they, they dropped the ball on that part. Perhaps. So I asked in the chat, since I'm using this zoom microphone, I said, you know, basically how, how, do, how's it sounding? How do you like it? And Johnny P came back with SP, uh, probably, but less trouble does seem to take away from your full sound. A comparison back to back would probably be a good test. Well, Johnny, you're in luck because I happen to have the Electro Voice RE320 right here, right here. And I'm going to switch over to it right now. So Johnny, this is the Electro Voice RE320. Test, 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 test. How are you liking this sound? I can tell you just through monitoring, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is definitely better for my voice because I'm more clear and I'm not muddy or anything like that. Not that the zoom is bad, not at all. As a matter of fact, if I didn't have any EQ whatsoever, I would probably prefer a microphone like that, which is why when I travel to the cabin, I take the Rode Procaster with me. Kind of a similar effect. But anyway, here is the Electro Voice RE320. You're going to get it. And then for the rest of the show, you're going to get the Zoom ZDM one. All right. So now we're up to four, five, tra five tracks, five tracks that I have to throw on to the editing uh, timeline when I put this show together. Cool. <laughs> I mean, on in Vegas, it's no big deal. I haven't used DaVinci Resolve yet, but uh, is it a big deal in DaVinci to go with five tracks? No, it just means that I, I have to, you know, look at them. And scroll through them, which is actually oh. not so much a problem anymore now that I've switched to a 4K display, which oh, yeah, I don't think I mentioned that on the show, actually. By the way, yeah. I, I talked about how I had put a 32 inch. I decided to go with a 32 inch monitor. Well, let's just say I'm on a 43 now. Um, there is the 32 is not working. There was a couple weird oddities with it. The response time, although it said that it was it was a five millisecond response time. I don't know what they're talking about. There was all sorts of ghosting all over it. Um, there was it was 
very, very odd um, as far as the ghosting went. And so then I found myself, do I want, do I want the higher refresh rate? And oh, sorry, I, uh, I'm mixing them all up. Anyways, <laughs> now I'm trying to think, which, which is it? Is it a response time or is it a refresh rate? Anyways, it was five millisecond response time with yeah. 150 refresh rate or whatever it was. Really? And uh, it, Not 144? 144. That's probably what it was. Okay. It might've even been higher. I'd have to, I'd have to look. It was, it was up there. It was okay. up there for the 32. And so I decided like, do I want to go with that? Or do I want to go with something that's 4k with uh, a lesser refresh rate? And um, I did, I, I did that. And I, I believe that I actually bought this 43 on a price error. It was cheaper than the 32. It's um, by spec, a better screen. It's actually got a faster response time as well. Um, and it took me a bit, but I'm, I'm starting to get used to it. I was, I was really unsure about the space, but, you know, in retrospect, it actually makes a lot of sense for me because I went from two 1080 displays over to one larger screen. And technically speaking... I was downsizing size significantly, you know, if I wanted any form of sort of side-by-side -side windows without using the additional verticals, I was kind of downsizing because I was at less than the equivalent of two 1080 uh, with resolution um, displays by being on um, QHD or 1440, however you want to call that. And then from a physical perspective, technically, the 43 is actually still a little less wide than the 224s that I had before. But um, it's really working for me because I, I am able to, I feel like, especially like right now, I'm able to arrange my windows a lot better for streaming. Um, I've got things a little bit better when I'm editing. And and honestly, that that I couldn't believe going to a 4K resolution, um, how much I get. Like, you know, it, it, it's awesome, the 4K resolution. The 1440 was great. Um, it was an improvement in itself. Like going to the 4K, uh, it's it's honestly it's fantastic, especially with this sort of size. I can see a lot together. Um, it, it's great. I'm glad I did it, and uh, I finally actually the other the other day dialed down the brightness, and now I feel like side to side, I'm getting a better visual picture. I, I was actually at the point a couple days ago thinking that this monitor is not going to work. I, I'm going to have to accept a lost amazing deal. And it's going to have to go back. But I, I and that was because the side to side, I was having some troubles with it. I was finding like, you know, my eyes were kind of hurting. I dialed down the brightness and and now I feel like I'm able to use it all without issue. Yeah, I forgot about the brightness thing. I, I think I tamped down the brightness when I finally started implementing it, because when I first threw it in there, you know, one of the things that I look at when I'm looking at televisions and monitors is the nits and the nits is a measure of brightness and nowadays with any device whether it's a projector a tv or a monitor i won't go lower than 400 and i will get as much as i can this monitor i think was in the 400 nit range which when you're a couple of feet away 400 nits is actually a lot and it, it turned out to be too much so i had to dial that down a little bit and even with my eyesight the way it is, it's still as bright as I need it, and it's amazing. But let me ask you this, Stephen. So now that you've gone up to the monitor, you've heard me say my biggest 
upgrade of my studio by far since I started podcasting was this 34 inch ultra wide monitor. How would you rank for podcasting? How would you rank your new monitor in terms of all of your upgrades? Yeah, no, it it would definitely be up there. Um, I'm not going to say for sure it would be the greatest. Um, I, I do really feel like something like the Procaster might trump it just from the perspective of being able to do so much in one unit both from the perspective of multi-track recording and capture in a reliable manner and things like that like i think i i think that probably beats it out but i i ask me any different day or any day and i might give you a different answer because it honestly is quite amazing I, I, editing now on it a couple of times live streaming on it a couple of times the fact that like I was using dual monitors and I was using them fairly effective and, and that's my place some of towards why I don't necessarily rate it the greatest is because when I was editing before I was using the dual monitors in a way that I was trying to throw some elements off on the second screen and really try to try to use it as a big space. But when I was when I go to zoom in on the timeline or something like that, it is much better on uh, the 4K larger monitor than I was able to do with dual monitors because dual monitors were still largely stuck to one for a while. I was stretching it across both, but it just, it didn't work for me with the split. So I just went back to one. Um, but it, it is, it is definitely up there for sure. And for those wondering, and maybe you're hearing this for the first time at work, I have a 49 inch curved Samsung monitor. It's only 1080, so I don't get the same resolution on it, but I do have a wider monitor at work and I don't like it because it goes beyond my my uh, peripheral vision on the sidelines. So this 40, 34 inch actually works pretty good for me. So in the chat, just to close off the microphone uh, talk right here, Liberty Dude chimed in after I tested between the two microphones and he said the key to the Zoom ZDM1 is you can often Get them on sale between $45 and $60 US. Great mic in that market area. Yes, absolutely. For, for 50 bucks, this microphone is amazing. Like if somebody's wanting a recommendation on a microphone in the $50 range and they were using an XLR versus a USB connection, I would absolutely consider the ZDM1 in my response. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. And by the way, you should be careful of saying that. I, I stumbled across on YouTube that there's a few people out there that just hate it. Apparently, they're just like they they call them um, Zoom fanboys or something like that. They're like they're, oh, yeah? they're, they're that opposed to it. I came across a couple of different videos. Uh, I, I don't see it. I think you sound fantastic on it compared like for for the price. That's quite amazing. Um, I think that it, it sounds quite good. And honestly, I do wish that it was it was out when I started because I wonder what my mic upgrade path would have been as far as, you know, my interest in the BP40, because it, it does sound really good, but I haven't tried mine yet. So maybe next next week I should try it. Yeah. So we've had many of these conversations, right? So we've said the ATR2100 or the Samsung QTU. We've said the Encore 100, right? When that came out and we said the pod mic and now we're saying the ZDM1. So it's great that they keep on evolving microphone technology and price to the point where we can get even better and better for the same amount of price, basically the $50 range, which is amazing. But to get better, I mean, you still have to spend money in order to get that next level up. 
So like the Electro Voice RE320 is like $300. So you, you have to deal with that. And uh, oh, by the way, Stephen, I got a, a message. I think it was from Sweetwater said, hey, we got our new gear. And I checked into it. There was a bunch of like $3,000 microphones oh, no. in there. I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that for better podcasting. I reached over to my backdrop and I pulled a couple of the mics down. And uh, it <laughs> is included... that the Rusto mic? No, it's not actually. It's the uh, oh, okay. SM58 as oh, well SM58. as the Q2U, which somehow has um, you know managed to clone itself, and also the uh, Blue Encore 100. I should I should use that again sometime. I, I like that thing. <laughs> Mine's right behind my big monitor. I've got that. And of course, my microphone, which will always have the most special place in my heart, is the Sennheiser E935 because it was my first quote unquote big boy microphone, right? And it was amazing for what it was and everything. And yes, I've moved on from it. But every time I have a chance to use it, I'm like, oh, it's the E935. It's my favorite. Just like with you with the BP40, I, I yeah. would think would be about the same. Let's circle back to the conversation about uh, BP40. There, there's a little bit of um, PTSD for all you corporate workers. Me saying circle back. Uh, I have to say, I I missed it. Uh, coming back to it after all this time, it it's it is a good match for my voice, even without the DBX286. Like, I don't know. I I, I look forward to hearing it afterwards. I might disagree once I once I you know level it out a little bit and whatnot, but. Oh, it's it. Uh, it's like going home, SP. <laughs> I know it must be. So there's a couple of things that I want to touch on before we end. And I know we're coming up on the end of our time. And I know you got uh, dinner with the, the family up the there has been something that might affect you as a hobby podcaster, the Twitter API. And this was tweeted by the Twitter dev team uh, was, I want to say, a couple days ago that we will no longer support free access to the Twitter API, both V2 and V1.1. A basic or a paid basic tier will be in, available instead. So if you're using any tools that depend on the Twitter API, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be too late. Make sure you use them for the last time if you're using like a delete or whatever. Or make sure that they are going to start paying Twitter. And I don't even know if the mechanism is in there already for them to pay Twitter. But for the tool that you're using to pay Twitter for the API. And then, of course, you're going to have to pay for it. So a lot of people are saying, oh, Twitter's dead. I'm going to leave Twitter or whatever. Not so much. I mean, people pay for tools like this all the time. And I know everybody's, well, it's like the airlines, you know, nickeling and diming us for everything. And that's what Twitter has become. Yeah, I get it. But in order for Twitter to be functional moving forward, this is just going to be part of what it is. And even though there's been some issues and a lot of people have off-boarded to other apps like Mastodon, most people have stayed. So that's not to say that they'll stay there forever, but they're there now. So a large majority of if you have an audience on Twitter, might still be on Twitter, you might need to maintain your presence on Twitter going forward, which would mean that you would have to find a tool, either your tool or a similar tool that you're going to have to pay for in order to get access to the same sorts of tools or just use the the you know the the natural interface that they give you on the web or the app or whatever, which I know sucks for a lot of people that have had access to other things, but if you have an audience there, you might consider staying there and doing it. And some people have philosophical differences with Twitter and Elon and stuff like that and, and just refuse to use it. 
I understand and respect that. But if you're going to stay, just as a note, the API might put a wrench in your plans. Yeah, I was thinking about the whole Libsyn thing. There goes that where it auto posts unless oh, unless they yeah. do something about it, which they might, might not but... necessarily be bad because, you know, auto post is one and done for a lot of people, me included on some of the shows. So it, it might actually enhance me to go back and post several times, which I'm supposed to be doing anyway to promote. <laughs> uh, also, by the way, we did talk earlier on StreamYard and Yakko in our Discord had a comment that there's a bit of conversation that I think is relevant for us to quickly talk about as well which is that uh, sometime between last week and last night, StreamYard added a field where you can put a social media handle. We had been putting those on the line with our names. This is better in my opinion. And let us put longer stream or lo longer stream for our Mastodon names. Now, for those of you not familiar, StreamYard is an easy way that you can do streaming through video. It's, it's what SP was talking about earlier. It's a, a great tool. And it's one that SP has used for quite a while. And so has several other people in the better podcasting community. And yeah, th this is something you noticed too, right? No, I, I did. Oh. I noticed something was different, but I didn't delve into it. Like the names weren't automatically in there. Like they turned off the names and I just didn't go into the settings to turn them back on. So in the last Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't see our names on there. That was my bad for not having the time basically before we recorded to turn them back on. I did since then go in and turn the names back back on what i haven't played with though is the social media and yes i will say that putting your social media handles there and usually it was twitter but but putting your social media handles in there made the name incredibly long depending on what your name was and what your twitter handle was right so being able to take that social media and put it somewhere else on your screen i think makes it so much better. I, I think that is a fantastic move forward because then that leaves your name as, as just your name and you don't have to worry about, you can find me at the social media because that's also on the screen with you. So I think that's great. I will try it out this weekend on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'll let everybody know how it went, but I trust Yakko implicitly in this and I look forward to actually using it. And the last thing that I wanted to mention right now was that Google did officially confirm that they are making changes with the search results as far as podcasts go. You might remember a while ago, Google really adopted the idea of bringing podcasts in to the, um, the, the search results on Google. And last month, I think it was Pod News that actually said that they had noticed that they were no longer actually listing or embedding the uh, the episodes into the results and whatnot. And at the time, Google had responded saying that the feature was working, quote, as intended. But Google has now said that, uh, and they did this through the podcast manager, that the feature is going to be shut down as of February 13th, quote, Google search will stop showing podcast carousels by February 13th. As a result, clicks and impressions in how people find your show will drop to zero after that date. Our existing podcast feature will gradually be replaced with a new single feature. What the podcast? And that's what the uh, spokesperson had told uh, TechCrunch about this. And the other part of that quote that's important is this feature provides detailed information about podcast links to listen to shows on different platforms and links to podcasters own websites where available. So it sounds to me like they're trying to maybe direct traffic again, back to how it used to be is to, to the source listing, whatever, whatever that is. 
rather than actually being there in the results themselves. I have a variety of thoughts of why this could be. Part of it is just that Google gets bored and and sunsets things that isn't a resounding success. Um, uh, part of it is that it might be more profitable to be able to bring in the websites. Yeah, in this particular case, I have seen some demos and it looks like Spotify is, is big on the list. And I'm thinking they're they're going to like charge Spotify for like where you want your search results, basically. Like the same podcast is available on Spotify and other places. If you want them to listen through Spotify, you need to give us a little money so our search results can show you either only or first in there. So I think that's part of it. And for the hobby podcaster, by the way, my take on how important this is, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are without a doubt number one and two as far as podcast consumption, at least in the United States. I won't say worldwide because I know some independent countries have have other things going on. But if your audience is mainly in the United States and, and some of the podcasts that listen to us are you know North America focused, you're going to capture at least 80%, if not more, 80% of your market through your listings at Apple Podcast and Spotify. Uh, Google Podcast is about 3%. So that gives you an idea of how big this really is. And I know a lot of you use Google Podcasts. I use Google Podcasts at work. I get it. But the majority of your audience is going to be between Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And so Google taking away directing to their own listing, it's only 3%. So yeah, it might be a big 3% for you. I don't know. But for the most part, it's not that big of a deal. And I would focus your promotional efforts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or at least how you use things. Like if you throw a promo out there and say, hey, here's this link that you can listen to my podcast, I would put Apple Podcasts out there first. And then I would put Spotify out there. And if you do a third, you can do Google Podcasts. You know, it's close to being number three out there or whatever. But that is just how important that I think it is for hobby podcasters. We'd love to know your thoughts. Please get in touch with us through any of the ways. It's always fantastic to hear your thoughts about topics like this. Do you think it will impact you? Do you think that it's a non-issue? Did you even know that it was there to begin with? Let us know. Uh, Discord's always a fun place to have you come over and chat with us. It's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We did have two questions in our Discord really quick that we didn't have time to get to this week, but I wanted to mention them. One was a question about chat GPT and how to utilize it on your show. I want to throw that out there for our audience. Come to our Discord, put in there your unique ways. A couple of people have already responded there, but put in your unique ways on how you would use chat GPT in your podcasting. And then we had Barnstown come in and he was also using that and he put like an example and everything so you can at least see what he was doing for an intro. Steven also used it for an intro on Gunna Geek Show back in December. Then we also had a question from Waffles, who's my co-host on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll talk to him offline, but he was curious about how you monitor yourself when you're recording or if you're streaming when you're recording, how you monitor yourself because he's dealing with a latency. So I want to throw that out to our listeners as well. I mean, I have some definite uh, inside knowledge of what's going on with his his setup and everything. But I want to throw that out there to everybody on how you deal with latency if you have it when you're monitoring during your recording. So we'll talk about those hopefully next time. 
Uh, I use headphones, Waffles. I use headphones. <laughs> and so we were talking about, we we're talking about dealing with the latency. I, I, I'm going to have to put my foot down and say, that's what he's referring to. Not how do you listen, but how do you monitor and how do you deal with the latency? And he's having a latency issue because he's processing. So we'll, we'll I'll talk with him directly as we record this weekend. And then I want you, our listener, to come to our Discord and tell him what your ideas are, because I know a lot of you use processing on board with your setups as you're recording. So you probably have some unique ways that you do it as well. And before we officially close it, the, the chat asked, they wanted a, a blind test between the three microphones. So what I will do is just say microphone numbers. So that's what I'll do is I'll say microphone numbers. So I am Steven Jandru, and I am using microphone number one. I am Steven Jandru, and I am using microphone number two. I am Steven Jandru, and I am using microphone number three. So Ooh, I know what my favorite is right I'd, there. I'd love to know what you think. Please do get in touch with us through any of the ways. That's betterpodcasting.com slash discord. Or you can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Or you can find the rest of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com forward slash contact. Yeah, and let us know how you like me on the ZDM1. I won't be using it next week. I'll be using another microphone. But uh, at least you have this, this entire show with the ZDM1, the Zoom ZDM1. And it is for you to use as an example. So for episode number 42 of Better Podcasting Live Chats, I'm Stephen John Drew saying all three mics are on right now. I'm SP saying thanks for coming by. Appreciate everybody in the live chat and we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.